Welcome to Passports and Postcards, where we discuss everything travel. From cultural inspirations to exciting destinations and everything in between. With your host, Randall McKeown. I would like to welcome to the show today, Ed Davis. Ed is an accomplished author of such books as The Last Professional, Road Stories, and All Things in a Matter of Time. Is that correct? That is correct. Now, you hear people reading uh, reading books of travel and then finding a need to travel. Some to find themselves, some to escape, or some just to see what is out there. Ed did get the call, but his journey was unique, especially with his choice of transportation, freight trains. Welcome to the show, Ed. Randall, it is an absolute delight to be here. Hey, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what you're currently doing in Northern California? Sure, sure. My pleasure. And again, it's 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 a real treat to be on your show. Um, what I'm currently doing? Well, golly, I've been a writer for 40 years. I started actually writing in Canada, interestingly, not far from your neighborhood. Tried to make a career of it when I was a young man and had a couple of novels, um, a couple of agents, couldn't quite put the pieces together. And so I had a young family starting up, needed to swing my priorities to them. I'm absolutely glad I did, no regrets. So I sort of set aside my desire to be a, a career writer, got into a business with my best friend from high school that we're very proud of. We've been doing that for, golly, 35 years now, I guess. But because of the success in business, uh, I've had the freedom to reindulge my desire to write and also to travel. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, Robert Redford movie, The Natural, where Roy Hobbs, he's the young rookie ball player, and he's on his way to a career and he gets sidetracked and he comes back 20 years later as a 45 year old rookie. I feel a little bit like Hobbs coming back into the writing game as a 60-year-old rookie, but it's been a delight to do it. And so right now, what I'm doing is an awful lot of work to support uh, my novel, The Last Professional, that was just released in January. Uh, your book, Rose Stories, you tell the journey of riding freight trains while dodging railway security along the way which is also the basis of your latest novel, The Last Professional. Can you tell us about one of your adventures that may not have been captured in your book? Sure. There, there are many, but I think one that's the most fun is um, when, in 1972, when I stopped working at Sonoma State Hospital as a psychiatric technician, uh, a friend and I rode freight trains across Canada, as it turns out. And... I, at that time, was in a new relationship with the woman who I've fortunately been married to for 46 years, writing her letters and discovering this wonderful new way to travel. So I guess my letters were so pervasive or persuasive, rather, that uh, she wanted to go the next year. And so a year later, we traveled, uh, Jan and I, in freight trains on $5 a day uh, up through the Pacific Northwest and all across Canada. The funniest story I think that happened to us was uh, just outside a freight yard in Calgary. We were, you know, heavy backpacks. We're walking across a train trestle 
And as you're probably aware, trestles don't have any side rails. They don't have any planks to walk on. It's just rails and ties. So we're walking across this trestle. that didn't seem too tall when we got onto it or too long. And we hear a noise behind us and turn around and what's coming but a train. And it's backing towards us. And it looks like it's coming like 60. We think, you know, oh my gosh, we think this thing's going to run us over. So we do our very best to run backpacks, flying elbows. It's just doing everything we can not to step through the ties and break our necks. We get to the other side of the trestle, dive off just in the nick of time. And what's the first thing we hear is laughter. There have been the railroad guys were standing on the back porch of the caboose. The thing wasn't going very fast at all. And they were just howling at how funny we looked when we were trying to get off of that trestle. So that that one never made it into a book. That would have been an interesting sight to see. I know as a youngster, uh, we where I went to school, there was a train track right behind the school. And constantly the trains, both freight trains and um, passenger trains would travel back and forth. And so many warnings were given to us about not crossing the tracks. Yes. But you'd be surprised how many people, you know, even though they were educated, forgot how to read those signs. Unfortunately, one of them did not make it. And it was something that scarred the school for a long time. You know, your journey is, I would say, different than most people when they travel. Yep. But that's what makes it so interesting is that it's so unique. Where have you traveled and what is one of the memories that sticks out in your mind and why? Well, I think I got hooked on travel. It may be in my DNA. I was born in Kansas City um, and my parents divorced when I was quite young and we moved to California. And I, I think I was four at the time. And uh, um, part of that journey was by train. And somehow I think that may have gotten into my bloodstream somehow. I really became infected with the travel bug uh, after leaving Sonoma State Hospital and uh, traveling. The friend I was traveling with and I uh, actually were on our way to Scotland. Uh, we were looking for his father. We had wonderful adventures there, worked in a hotel, worked on a farm. But that I was really bit by the travel bug at that point. And for the probably next 10 years, every chance I got, I would take freight trains around the Pacific Northwest and uh, a couple of times across the U.S. It was a remarkable way to see the country. Uh, what you mentioned about uh, the warnings about trains and how people tend to avoid, tend to not pay attention. A train's a little bit like a force of nature. It, it's like a wave or an avalanche. If you're in its way, it doesn't know or care. And so it's they're very dangerous, but they're also sort of elemental. And so, you know, catching a freight train and riding slowly through the countryside, uh, just watching it unfold around you almost like it's on a movie screen. Trains go places that cars don't go. So you'll see you kind of see the country warts and beauty and all. So you can roll through the middle of a tremendous modern downtown. 10 minutes later, you're on the outskirts and you're in an industrial area. And the train is literally on the back porch of people's homes. And you see, you see their daily life unfiltered. Um, 
since my days on the on the trains, which I pretty much gave up when we had a family um, because of the danger. I have had the great good fortune to travel a lot. And it's not as though I ever sought doing it. I just don't know how to say no when somebody suggests going someplace. So I've been to I've been to Africa. I've been to Tibet and uh, Nepal. One of the most memorable and unforgettable trips for me was in Peru. Um, many people, fortunately, are able to get to see Machu Picchu, uh, which is just extraordinary. The my good friend Lee and I went, and we decided we wanted to do it a little differently, and so we took a trek that took three days to get us to Machu Picchu's sister city, which is called Chococorao. When we were there, about 50 people a day would get there because it was so hard to do it. So we had the place essentially to ourselves. It was almost like uh, Hiram Bingham was there with us and we were on a journey of discovery. Absolutely extraordinary. So uh, that, that, that's, that's, that's a standout memory for me. Back to your comment there about um, where free trains travel, and they do travel through, I would say, the working class part of most cities. Mm-hmm. And you get to see how real people live uh, away from the touristy places. And I think that's one way to get to know a city, a country, a province, a state. I personally don't think I'd be quick enough to run and try to grab on a jump on a train or jump off a train, um, even if it was standing still. But one thing I must say is I did have an excellent experience with trains while visiting England a few years back Mm. um, where we were staying in a place called Hever. Um, We had to take train into London. Well, there's about three or four different trains we had to take to actually get there. And they were, from different generations. So it was very amazing to experience the trains, not like I have here in Canada, where it's basically just a via train or we see an Amtrak train might be going from Toronto to crossover Niagara Falls there. Uh, But it was different and it was a great exposure. Now, as we travel, we, even if it's uh, quick travel, we get to meet people along the way. Have you met people that you met that you keep in touch with? Uh, yes, it, it's on from the freight dra- freight train days. No, because when I was riding, it was the very end of the classic era of the American hobo. Uh, there were guys who that was their lifestyle, it was their avocation, and those days are gone. I had a chance to ride with a few of them. They were pretty independent folks, uh, kept to themselves, would tell you, if you ask them a question about riding a train, they would open right up. Other than that, not so much. But uh, one of the best experiences I had in travel was um, at the Chinamoyo Hospital in Zimbabwe. I had an opportunity to be there for a couple of weeks. Golly, it must be 10 years ago now, maybe more than that. Uh, a good friend had his son was in pre-med and he had been volunteering there. So Zimbabwe at that time was suffering extraordinary uh, inflation. It, it's no exaggeration to say you would take a backpack full of money into the store to buy a loaf of bread. It, it had no value. This hospital was out in the tribal lands. It was, uh, gosh, 
three hours from the nearest paved road. We had a chance to go work there. Remarkable, remarkable people. Um, I've stayed in touch with them, continue to support them. Um, it is, it's truly uh, humbling to see the effort people make to create uh, a good and meaningful life for themselves under extraordinarily difficult conditions. So when you say, you know, what would you say that you've learned or you might've learned by traveling the way you did? I know there's going to be a life lesson out of there somewhere. <laughs> well, perspective, I think. It, it, it's occurred to me after years of doing this that I don't think we ever see ourselves as clearly as we do when we're held up against an unfamiliar backdrop. So one of the advantages of travel is it opens us up to new horizons. We see the new things around us and we observe them. And I think those characteristics of observation, we also get to apply to ourselves. We, can, we, we learn a good deal about who we are when we're in unfamiliar settings. I think patience too. And that's, boy, hobos were America's original Zen masters. You can't live that lifestyle and be impatient. It just doesn't work. The trains come or don't when they will or won't, and they take you wherever the heck they're going to take you. So that's certainly a lesson. And then, as I mentioned earlier, just humility. Uh, you know, we, we, we live such sheltered lives and being able to see how others live and, and the quality of life that they maintain uh, is, is really humbling and enriching, I think. You said earlier in our conversation, the hobo era, hobo era has sort of ended. But what advice would you give to any persons, young or old, who think that maybe they might want to give uh, riding freight cars a chance? Okay. Well, let's call this the public service section of our <laughs> broadcast. Don't do it. It's, it's illegal, and that's the least of the reasons you shouldn't do it. It is extremely dangerous. Uh, there are people still dying daily out on out on the trains run people over. Trains don't care, and so it, it's 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 very dangerous. It's very illegal. You, you mentioned riding in um, the UK. I had a chat with a fellow recently on an interview who said that catching a freight train there is a felony. It's uh, not a misdemeanor. They, they, they throw the book at you. So what's happened in the U.S. and Canada is the trains have gotten faster since I rode. There are fewer and fewer open boxcars. There are still people doing it. And so if someone is interested in the experience, I have two recommendations for them. The first is just buy my book and read about it. But the other, there are some young people uh, who are doing it right. They're being safe. They're being careful. Um, they often will wear GoPro cameras on there. Yeah. And so you can go on YouTube and you can, you know, put in freight hopping and you'll see some of these folks. And there are sort of two categories of the videos you'll see. Some of them are just about thrill seeking. You, you don't want that. But some will really catalog a ride from, you know, El Paso to San Antonio, from across the Rockies. And you'll see, you'll get a sense of what it's like. Good advice. That's our public service announcement for today. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs>
as we get to the end of this podcast today, I'd like to ask you what you're currently working on and anything you'd like to share with our listeners. Are there any maybe new books coming out or new travel coming up? Well, I appreciate the question. Uh, right now, as I mentioned earlier, what I'm really working on uh, most that's consuming most of my time is supporting the last professional, the novel that was released in January. Uh, I'm also putting together a collection of short stories that uh, many of which have been published in literary journals. I'm pulling those together. And I've got a novel called uh, Four in Stone that I finished about a year ago that's waiting for the next part of its journey. Trips I've got coming up in the short term are one is really fun. I'm doing an Amtrak book tour uh, across much of the U.S. in April. It'll be 30 days, 15 cities and 6,500 miles. And I don't know that anyone has done anything like that maybe for 100 years. So that'll that'll be really fun. I get to sort of meld my love of trains and writing into this one experience, which will, which I'm really looking forward to. Prior to the pandemic, uh, I had been scheduled to go to Bhutan, and I, I hope to get a chance to do that again. When I was in Tibet a few years ago, I got a sense of what that culture was like. But Tibet, as you may know, has really just become China. And so they're doing their very best, unfortunately, to erase that culture. But in Bhutan, it's still pure. And uh, I would like very much to have a chance to see that. Ed, I want to thank you for being on the show today and sharing your experiences. It is an unusual way to travel. You're here to talk about it today. So we know how it how it worked for you. You came out unscathed. <laughs> we did throw in a public service announcement. So we did our due diligence. I would like to uh, follow up with you maybe say maybe six to eight months, see where you're going, see what you're doing. Boy, that would uh, be a pleasure. And this Amtrak trip you have coming up promoting the book sounds like a, a great opportunity. I wish you all the success on it. No jumping off the Amtrak or jumping back on it. <laughs> okay, I promise. <laughs> well, thank you for being on the show today. Randall, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure.